Hello, Almost Presidents podcast listeners. We have a very special treat for you today, a very special bonus episode. This past week, we were on the Review It Yourself podcast. You may have listened to it. You may have come to our podcast through the Review It Yourself podcast. But for those of you that are not aware of the podcast, Sean of the Review It Yourself podcast reviews films every week, oftentimes with a guest. I highly recommend if you haven't checked out his podcast to look into, particularly the Beverages with Bill episodes are a lot of fun. Uh, but but generally everything Sean does is super fun. Check it out. Yeah, I got to throw in a re- yeah, I got to throw in a recommendation too for the Saving Private Ryan episode. I got a lot out of that. I, I thought that I had that film down pat, knew everything about it, but he really expanded my mind about all the things in that film, both on the set as well as in the history, because Sean has a history background too, which we found out when we were on the podcast. Yeah, something we didn't really know about, but. Aside from that, he reviews tons of films on there. He's got Avatar The Way of the Water recently that he reviewed. Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, Just a ton of films, really something for everybody. Uh, Definitely check it out. Definitely give him a five-star review. Okay, so did you want to talk about the film we watched? So Sean reached out to us about this film called Bobby, which came out in 2006, which Kevin and I were both very surprised that we had never heard of because it has a ridiculously star-studded cast, which you'll hear about when you listen to the Review It Yourself podcast in a moment. And it's a pretty cool film that just kind of uses Bobby Kennedy's trip to the Ambassador Hotel and the night of his assassination as an anchor point to tell a lot of different vignettes. So it was a pretty interesting movie. We'll save our reviews for the actual podcast itself, but that was what we were on there to discuss. And we had a great time. Sean was a great host. We hope to be back on his show and perhaps even have him on ours. So enjoy listening to the Review It Yourself podcast with your truly on it. Welcome everyone. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. Um, I've got brothers Ryan and Kevin from the Almost Presidents podcast. They've joined me um, to discuss possibly one of the most iconic Almost Presidents who was not beaten in an election, but tragically stolen uh, away by a, a bullet, Robert Francis Kennedy. Uh, we're doing that today through the 2006 film Bobby, directed by Emilio Estevez. Hopefully I haven't made too much of a mess of that. Uh, welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Pleasure. Uh, yeah, um, what did you think of the film? Uh, be honest, just go for it. You don't have to be polite. Just tell me what you think, because I know it's... Go one or two ways, this, I think. Yeah. Well, we had a little bit differing opinions. So I don't know. Do you want to go first? And then I'll kind of chime in with my opinion. Yeah. So I I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I, th- I liked how they played into some of the actual footage and the actual speeches of Bobby Kennedy, incorporating that in with the incredibly star-studded cast. I will say it took me two watches because the first watch, I was just so shocked with each star after star after star that you would see that I was expecting that by the time we finally get to Bobby Kennedy, we would have seen Jesus Christ himself. So the second time around was a good watch for me. Cause I knew when all the, or I, I knew who all the stars were that were going to come on screen. And then I could actually take in what the film w- was and what Estevez was doing with it. Cool. Yeah. What so I, I kind of wasn't super crazy about it. I, I liked it in a lot of ways, but I really felt like there were just too many characters. And I kind of feel like if they had just really slimmed down how many people they actually tried to follow, 
it would have been I like I would have cared a lot more about the characters. I would have been more invested in them. And I kind of felt like there were just so many characters and so many things like parallel plot lines that it was just hard for me to like keep track of it all. I don't know what you thought, but yeah, no, it's, um, I remember a bit, a bit in the middle. I remember when I first watched this, I really, really enjoyed it. And then when I watched it this time, I watched it when I came in from work and I was like, it, I struggled to get into it. Like I really struggled to get into it. Like if I hadn't have been watching it for this, I'd have turned it off and gone do watch it another day. Um, yeah. but, it's funny, it'll be perfect this because you both have the opinion that I seem to have seen when you know you go online and you see about the film because it considering how big the cast is and how star studded it is, it doesn't seem to have made much of an impact at all. Like I don't know anyone. I think I saw one Spotify review of it. I might not have searched very well, but out of podcast, so it's not yeah. exactly like loads of people review it. Um but I think it's it's that people either argue oh, I loved it, it was brilliant, and I really loved what he did. Or other people were like, you know, yourself, uh, Kevin, they're like, oh, I it was okay, a few too many people. I, I sit somewhat in the middle. I think there's a few yeah. characters you could have just taken straight out. Um, yeah, I the, about the same way. The guys who do drugs, just take them out of the film. Doesn't affect Oh, no, well. I thought they were funny. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to come up with some disagreements from us about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought the little, uh, you know, Harold and Kumar work for Bobby Kennedy uh, arc was, was fun. Although it lost me when they were two of the guys that got shot. Cause it was like, all right, so now I have to take these guys seriously and, and, and watch them potentially bleed out a young Stanley Yelnats, so yeah, <laughs> you know, bleeding out on the ground of the ambassador yeah. hotel kitchen. That's, that's awful. But I thought not only was that arc hilarious, but I would be interested in pursuing Estevez or somebody to do a spinoff where we see these two guys, um, hopefully, Ashton Kutcher's character will get out of jail eventually because he did get busted right at that one part yeah. by undercover cops. And then we could do a whole spinoff movie with the three of them. It can maybe have a pineapple express type feel to it. I, th I thought it was a strange, like I know that we're trying to go for the sixties, yes. but compared You're to the right. rest of the film, particularly the end, which gets very chilling. We'll get onto that. It yeah. felt a little bit like, I don't mean this isn't a pun, but it felt a bit out there. It felt a bit like, hang on, where where's this come from? Maybe the sixties were like that. I don't know. Um, I I agree. That's that's why I kind of got a kick out of it because it was out there. And I guess if you were to show that uh, the sixties, you would have to show something relating to drugs. But it it definitely did feel out of place. But with that being said, I did enjoy it for what it was worth. Yeah. One of the things we were talking about, too, that's funny about that whole scene. And I just I don't know if you explain the scenes to your listeners at all. But but basically what happens is these two guys who work for the campaign decide to screw off for the day and just do LSD. Um, and the funny thing about it is I don't know how it works uh, where you guys are from. But most people who work on a campaign here in the U.S., they're volunteers. So like you don't have to do it. It's yeah. not like they're getting paid to do it. I don't know if it was different in the sixties, but I, I, I think these guys were volunteers who just decided to screw off for the day and do drugs, which is even funnier. Well, yeah. Well, I love that bit at the beginning where he's like, like, dude, I can't get on that bus again. Like, I just love that because they yeah. just lie about getting their brother's car, yeah, and then just yeah, go off to. And that scene with Aston Kutcher as well was like really random. Like, why do you want drugs? And they're like, we want to have yeah. fun. I like, know why. Like, you're not. Yeah. You're not listening to my question. Why? Like, why? <laughs> because you want to get yeah. closer to God, right? Apologies to the American accent. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Just, it was. Uh, but I did enjoy it, especially that bit where they're supposed to be playing like tennis, and they just yeah. run straight into the net. I was like, what? 
yeah, yeah especially a little because, slapstick yeah especially because what's his name um was trying to have a nice game with his wife and then all of a sudden you just see a racket fly yeah. across the screen yeah yeah who's actually the director's dad so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which i didn't know until i was reading it to but, be honest uh, there was a period of my life where i didn't know that that was two different people i watched the west wing and i thought that was the guy from the breakfast club but it's not emilio estevez is the guy from the breakfast club right i wrong. Yeah, I for a period of my life, I thought that like Martin Sheen was just older guy from The Breakfast Club, but it's not the case. <laughs> I think even when The Breakfast Club came out, though, Martin Sheen would be an awfully old uh, high schooler. I know, yeah, I know they tend true. to cast high schoolers <laughs> as people who are older than uh, regular high schoolers, but yeah, he would have been awfully old. Um, If we're talking about Emilio Estevez, there's something I wanted to talk with you about. Yeah. I was interested in the fact that he chose to cast himself in the movie. Um, and in addition to that, the, the role he played. Did you have any thoughts about that? He kind of just played this uh, this guy just kind of getting stomped on by his wife, you know, who was very talented, trying to curtail her alcoholism. And he, he, he oh, just is that Emilio he... Estevez? I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, the guy, the guy was, yeah. I was trying to figure out like, okay, I get maybe casting yourself as a, a more background character so that you can do a lot of the directing. But why that character? I was curious to yeah. to, to see what you I thought. Mean, just... Yeah, well, I didn't think about it because I didn't realize it was him. But just thinking back to it now, I, I don't know. Maybe because it was a slightly smaller piece or maybe just he wanted – I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be really cold and pragmatic, but maybe they just wanted to get the budget down. And it was like, look, we don't, we can't afford to cast anyone else. You've got yeah. like Sir Anthony Hopkins. You've got our star-studded cast and Lindsay Lohan. I'm joking. Um, and then, <laughs> and then like, we, you know, we, he's like, look, we need to fill in. We haven't quite found the right guy for the, you know, the the downtrodden husband. And it's like, oh, do, do, do you want to do it? Do you want to? Oh, yeah, all right, then I'll do it. Like, do we have to pay you more? No, you don't have to pay him more. Like, maybe, or maybe he's got a bit of an M Night Shyamalan thing going on. He likes to do that, but who knows? I mean, the, how how much real estate could you have for all the trailers? I mean, we, we have all these legacy actors who probably have giant trailers with jacuzzis in them, and they all expect them to be set up on this set. So maybe they just literally ran out of space and budget. And so that was – they just had to go with him. Possibly. I mean, I know I know for a lot of the, the actors, Sir Anthony Hopkins was a big draw, apparently. As soon as they got him, a lot of other people were like, all right, well, I want to do this. Gotcha. Yeah, Anthony uh, Hopkins is a legend. And so. did he, he? I think he was involved in producing the film as well. Is that correct? I think I thought I saw him in the credits somewhere. Yeah, I think I did too. Exactly yeah, I think so. Him. Somewhere, somewhere along the line. But it's, it sometimes helps. It's like Harvey Keitel and like Reservoir Dogs. It helps to have like a a big name behind something because it gives you a little bit of forgotten the word not not credit. Yeah. Gives you a little bit, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, this happens on podcasts. My my words just go um but good, no, i th- i thought i thought it was good um it begins so for anyone who doesn't know because I'll, I'll give a quick kind of plot summary it follows bobby kennedy uh, during his run for the presidential nomination and it is to, at the beginning it shows kind of stock footage of america and, and the fact that he and like a speech from him where he wants to unite the country every ethnicity end an unpopular war which is vietnam uh he had a bit of background he was the united states attorney general oh by the way guys i probably should say i, I did a master's in history so hence why i kind of gravitated to my job podcast 
Um, so I probably oh, this would be like this should be like part film review, part just a bit of history shoved in. And I'll I watched that Netflix documentary on Bobby Kennedy to to get my like kind of yeah, it was it was decent. It was it was good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So after his brother's assassinated, he decides really late, like you guys, so he decides really late in the day to run for president. In fact, he misses. I want to say New Hampshire, but I'm not sure if I'm right. He misses like the first. Um, I don't quite know how it works. He misses the first primary. state the primary. That's it. Come on, I watched 24. I should know that word. Um, <laughs> it works differently over here. It really does. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, but one of the things I so that this film doesn't so much follow him, which I think would disappoint some people, but it follows people kind of around him. So, uh, but it's done in a kind of almost like film, like a Steven Sonderberg film, almost like uh, Contagion or Crash, which I didn't like. Um, what was the other one that it reminded me of? Oh, Vantage Point a little bit. You know, that one where it shows like seven different perspectives or whatever. Do you ever see yeah, that but one? it shows all these different perspectives that are not overlapping, right? Or or they overlap minimally, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not too much like that. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I was just stabbing around for different things. I, I um, see what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> but I, lo- I love the interplay between the characters, particularly the kitchen staff. I could have watched a whole film of just them. I Absolutely, felt like... Yeah. I loved how charged it was and how real it felt. Did, do you guys think similar? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think it really captured a lot of like the racial dynamics that were going on at the time, which was a really big issue, obviously. The way sort of the Latino guys were all feeling very like aggrieved and feeling like certain people were getting acknowledged in the form of the, uh, what's his name, Lawrence Fishburne character, but they weren't sort of getting their day. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic there. Yeah, I also really liked the kitchen staff as well. Yeah, some of those conversations really made you think. I, I, I'm not sure how I felt about the one conversation that Lawrence Fishburne had when he was handing out the cobbler and he was talking about race relations and basically how the Latinos had to wait their turn and make it seem like it was the white man's idea if they wanted to advance in any way in America. Um, whether or not that's true about America, I, it, it almost seemed like an Uncle Tom type of moment, but was made to seem like it was something more profound than that. I, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about that as far as the spirit of the 60s goes and just what he was saying in general. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I think the character, like the other kitchen staff in that scene, a few of them are kind of making that argument to, the, to him. It, they don't say yeah. it, but, you know, uh, you get the other Mexican guy. I can't remember. I don't know. I, the, I don't know if I remember his name. Um, not, not the main, not the main guy. And he basically like... Yeah, he, he mocks him and basically says, oh, yes, sir, I'll get it for you now. Um, so I think they were definitely kind of leaning into that a little bit. But is he also saying, look, we've, we've got a box clever and play the long game here. Like, it's not going to change overnight. I'd, yeah, it w- but I, maybe maybe that's the point. Maybe it was supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit. I, I like those scenes because they felt very real and very, like, they weren't trying to kind of soften it for an audience. They were just like, this is what it probably would have been like or, mm-hmm. or was like um, from what people have said. And they just kind of went for it. And I really enjoyed that. But then, then you get the two guys getting stoned. So this is what I mean about the tone. It's a little bit, yeah, yeah. tone's a little bit all over the place, but yeah, it was, it gives you a lot to talk about though. Um, for sure. I mean, but it's, it's, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say something well worth also talking about is that, 
there were people in the movie who knew Bobby Kennedy personally and closely. We had Harry Belafonte in the movie and he, I mean, I'm sure you saw him in Bobby Kennedy for president. Uh, of course, he's a famous showman in and of himself, but his role in the movie I really liked. And we talked about Anthony Hopkins earlier. I really loved his character. His character was just so endearing. This guy yeah. who has retired, but just is really going into retirement, kicking and screaming because he, he loves the job. He remembers all the people he met. He loves sitting there playing chess, talking people's ears off. But a lot of people don't have the time to do that with him. I, re I really did enjoy his character and the interactions with Harry Belafonte. Yeah, it was it was a lovely part of the film. You know, you get that that moment where he gets to to meet Bobby Kennedy and like do almost what his job was. You know, that that kind of the guy at the gate says, "Oh, you know, welcome to the yeah. the Ambassador Hotel." So that that was nice. Um, and it was nice juxtaposed on the end, too, when Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. And you think about all the things he said in the beginning, all the famous people he met and what he said and what he remembers. And now he's hearing that this senator who was running for president, who there was so much hope in, has been killed in, in this his, his hotel. Yeah, it, it was. That's the thing. The film definitely has some moments where it really does kind of tug at the heartstrings quite, quite a bit. I mean particularly the scene where he he said because his wife's passed away not that he was particularly massively close to her that sounds a bit strange but all i mean by that is the fact that his wife used to complain that he was always at the hotel and it became his life um but he's kind of got nothing to go home for and he says to one of the staff that's leaving off yeah. do you want to grab like a coffee at, at the bar and the guy's like oh no i need you know I'm, i need to go haven't you got home to go to when he says it really jokingly and really jovially but it's like that stab of actually no he doesn't like this is his this is his home more than wherever he lives is um yeah. but i thought i thought that was i thought i thought that was great yeah yeah absolutely anthony hopkins i feel like kills it in anything he does he'll, he'll always yeah. be Hannibal lecter a little bit for me but but yes <laughs> sure. i agree with that statement he does <laughs> knock out of the park a lot of his roles yeah if you ever seen meet joe black he was quite good in that i quite enjoyed that one no, I don't Can't know. Can't say I have. No, it's good. It, yeah, it's good. It's a bit maligned. Someone defended yeah. it on one of my previous episodes, but it's it's quite long. It gotcha. um, I can't really describe it. I spawned it, but he plays like an older businessman. That he does a good turn in that. But as for actors that, I thought the standout actor in this was a toss up really between Christian Slater and William H Macy for me personally. Who was um, Chris? So Christian he, Slater played the oh, racist um, yeah, yeah, kitchen yeah. manager. And then, I'm sorry, what was the other one that you uh, said? William H. Macy, who played uh, the, the manager of the hotel, the one who fires him. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I thought he did a really good job in his role, personally. And I think that scene, I mean, we had talked about that scene where his wife is cutting his hair. is like a really like tense and emotional scene. That's a scene that pulls on your heartstrings. Yeah. yeah. Well, she uh, she wasn't supposed to cut his hair when they did the scene, she was supposed to like, like how you pull your punches. She was supposed to kind of pull back and she didn't, she actually cut his hair. So when he's kind of wincing a little bit and it falls down in his face, she's like got so into the scene that she just cut his hair. Cause obviously with, wow. with, with films and things, you, you've got continuity. You can't just snip off hair. Cause it's like, well, we need to film like three hours yeah. ago, like tomorrow. Um, yeah. So I thought that was about the only bit of interesting trivia that I read apart from historical stuff. Um, well, yeah, because there's another piece of trivia, right? Didn't they actually film this, uh, or at least they got certain tracking shots for the film at the actual Ambassador Hotel right before they demolished the thing? 
Yeah, well, it was getting demolished around them pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think they, they were allowed to film there for three days in the week that it was literally at the end of the week it was it was gone. Um because it had, the 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 area where it was had kind of become run down. Um it was kind of in a slight decline at this point, but then with the negativity of this and how the community went around there, it had problems, you know, it had substance abuse problems and then crime came with that, then house prices and people kind of stopped going there. So it, in the end it closed, it was kind of a little bit dilapidated, you know, it when you look at the people who've been there, it was for the people of the UK, kind of like the Ritz, but on its last legs. Um, I hope that people in yeah, America know what I mean. Yeah, and I even looked up some of the other movies that were, at least certain parts of it, were filmed in the hotel. I mean, Forrest Gump, Murder She Wrote, Beverly Hills 90210, SWAT, Blow. I mean, a lot of a lot of major American films in that hotel. Yeah, it was. It was good they got to do it because I, th- I think it what they wanted to do it kind of scupper the original intention of of um, Estes. What he wanted to do was he wanted to film it pretty much all in the all in the hotel and have like very long tracking shots where you followed characters around and then you'd peel off to another character almost a little bit. Yeah, I think you mentioned West. Uh, well, I don't know, I imagined it a little bit like West Wing or Twenty Four shows like that would do where they'd all of a sudden peel off and follow another mm-hmm. character. I think that was the intention, yeah. but once they found out they only had a couple of days in, I think they kept the kitchen because they had um, some of the original like fridges and things. I think Sirhan Sirhan stepped down off some kind of counter behind a freezer or something like that. Um, so that that was what they used it for. And then after that, it was they didn't have like it was gone. So they had to build all these different locations in studios. So he said that kind of broke up the feel of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that, that was what I read anyway. So, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that, that it was that, that they were actually knocking it down around them. That's insane. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, I think, I think Bobby was the last project that they filmed at this hotel, right? Yeah. Which yeah, I guess have, is yeah. kind of a nice bow. I mean, in a, maybe perhaps in a bit of a sad, even a bit macabre way, but a nice little bow to put on the, the establishment. Yeah, so, I mean, even, even if you Wikipedia the hotel, I mean, that's one of the big things that you see, Bobby Kennedy assassination. Yeah, which is, I mean, a, a shame, really. Well, a shame for obvious reasons, but also for the for the establishment itself, because it, it, it was like a centerpiece of, of of that, of that you know, that city. So it's a shame, really. Yeah. Um, I think another thing I really liked about the film, there's really interesting perspectives so you get like the Czechoslovakian as it was then, uh, the reporter. I thought she was great. I liked her little side story that she's kind of badgering um, the campaign manager. I want my five minutes. And there's the whole argument about, well, you're from a communist country. And she's like, well, it's not it's a socialist country. And um, I think, oh, if my history serves me correctly, they'd had the Prague Spring, I think a couple of years before where they had a big uprising against the Soviets, which got, pretty much brutally put down i want to um, say it was actually that year i might be wrong yeah no, you're probably right to be fair I want to say it was actually that year i thought it was 67 in, in any case it was really close to yeah so it would have been really recent um oh one all no, it 1968 1968 yeah yeah i know because I've, I've been to prague which is the capital of the czech republic now uh, and you can see on this beautiful Wenceslas Square, um, 
uh, you can see there's like all these beautiful old buildings and then every now and again there's this really they look ugly compared to everything else these really utilitarian buildings um that are just kind of boxes very soviet style and that's where the tanks kind of destroyed certain buildings to put down kind of the uprising so when you know a little bit about the history it's interesting because she's kind of arguing well hang on a minute you can't just write me off like i just i just want my five minutes everybody else gets it and she hasn't eaten Czechoslovakia's like history and perspective is not so simple that you can just write us off as communist. Yeah. No, not at all. Well, no, not at all. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it, yeah, we could go to the Soviet bloc, but Christ that I'd be, I did cold war in college. That'd be going on about a few years. Um, but I mean, yeah. as far as her character goes, like I thought she was as far as weaving these small vignettes, hers was very seamless because she would pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out. So I thought that went really well. She, I'm a teacher, so she reminded me of that annoying try-hard student that you'll just send off on a project, but then they'll actually do it and then come back and you'll be like, all right, and give them something else to do and then keep them busy for a while. But then they come back again and you're just kind of trying to get them to like leave you alone. So I, I had a little chuckle at that, but I, I agree. And, and and I don't know much of that history. I mean, you guys just educated me a little bit about Czechoslovakia at the time so she did make me curious to look into what it was she was actually referring to yeah it, it was it's a beautiful place to visit to be fair as well I've never been to Slovakia okay. but I've been to the Czech Republic it's a beautiful place to visit uh, if you ever get a chance I don't, uh, if you've yeah. even got passports uh, someone told me how many Americans don't have passports and it was like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, I'll play the clip on that one <laughs> yeah no no I know um, but uh it was it's a it's a nice film. It kind of well, most for the most part, um, it kind of all feels so joyous and it kind of culminates in this ball and they've won the California primary, which I think was a little bit of a surprise because it was very neck and neck. And but then the sound of silence begins and it's like oh okay right like because you know, yeah. I think ninety nine percent of people watch, watch it. What's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that doesn't kind of lessen the impact because you've followed all these characters. You know, they've they've all, you know, pinned the hopes on on this guy to, he's like the hope for America, really. And I will yeah. say, as no doubt, um, you know, Kevin, like with with history, when you look back at characters, they tend to be kind of, I can't even, mythicized a little bit. They're built up a little bit more. For sure. I think Teddy Kennedy said that at his funeral, didn't he? he said something along the lines of, "Look, don't remember my brother as being." Something more than he was, he was, you know, a good father, a good brother. Etc. He was a so, good man. Yeah. He, he tried to right wrong when he saw it, you know, fix yeah. injustice when it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely spot on. Yeah. And I when you're you... right, like the, sorry, the, the, the film does a good job of capturing the real, like positive, joyous energy of the campaign and the way that everyone felt like it was this big, important movement that was going to usher in such amazing change into America and end this horrible war that we were in that was getting so many people killed. And then the subsequent tragedy of when he dies and how it sort of like ruins people. And I thought one person who particularly captured that well, and I feel like I don't know anyone's actual name for the movie. I just know the actors, but Nick Cannon's Nick Cannon's character, because he was such a sort of passionate political activist and he kind of, kind of see him like lose it at the end, like throw the chair at the wall, kind of freak out. Um, and I thought that was kind of a powerful representation of what that, the impact of that, like assassination was kind of on people. Because I think he even said at one point in the film too, 
we lost we lost Martin, but now we still have Bobby. And yeah. when you hear him say that, knowing history, you just know, oh man, yeah. he's he's it's it's going to be a really tough next few years for him. Rough day yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was an awful. I mean, you know that John F. Kennedy gets shot in '63. You get Malcolm X. That, uh, yeah, um, and then you get, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Is it months? It's not long, but I think two, three months. It's months, not long before yeah. Bobby yes. Kennedy gets shot. So it's it's an awful, it's an awful moment. It felt like what like what was going on. Um, and even beforehand, a lot of people just took it as a foregone conclusion. Yeah, he's going to get killed, and, well, and he, unfortunately, they were right. He he and was it, what he was. What, sorry, sorry, I thought you'd finish. Sorry, go on. No, I apologize. I mean, I was just going to say, you really did a nice job of putting it into perspective just how quickly in secession those events took place. I mean, the death of all these civil rights champions, it really did not take place like that spaced out from each other. No, it was just a, uh, like four, five years. It, it's it's not a short amount of, it's, it's, a, it's not a long amount of time, especially for a country. I mean, that's, for yeah. America, it's what, one, one and a bit presidency it's not our term sorry it's not it's not a long time and it was it was a shock for the uh, a massive blow for the country uh, when you look back at the history it was uh because he he ran to show that like when you watch a lot of his speeches like i've watched a lot of speeches and a lot of them are kind of a bit but when you listen to his he sounds even though he isn't he comes with a very rich family he sounds like an everyman you know, on every person you'd probably say now, like he, yeah. he taught, he, he talks about, it doesn't matter, especially at that time. He's, you could put, you could play his speeches now, a lot of places, particularly America. And I mean, no offense in that you could play them now and you'd go, yeah, that all of that, like all of that makes sense. But uh, that's what it was. That's what I wanted to say. So what mm-hmm. you were saying, Kevin, about, about, oh, sorry, sorry, I don't know, I can't remember who now, sorry. I uh, was talking about when he throws the chair, that was Somebody, uh, a black gentleman, did that. Uh, it was reported in the news. I can't remember where. And then when oh. doing the film, they were like, "Right, you're going to do that." So that was that was real. Mm-hmm. So we don't know who the character was. We don't know who the gentleman was, but he did that. So you know, maybe it shows, but it, it's yeah, it it gets very chilling towards the end. Um, for sure. And especially- yeah, I think that's where things came. To- Oh, I apologize. You were saying. No, it's me. I'm trying to let you to go on. You're right. <laughs> and it, it was. I think. I think we talk about how many vignettes there were, and how we, it, it's hard to remember the characters' names versus the actors' names and all that stuff. But I think Kevin and I we we watched it last night for a second time just to prepare for this, and I believe we both agreed that that closing sequence, hearing his speech, overlaying all these disparate problems that these people are having in their personal lives that may or may not be resolving themselves was a really really nice sequence i it it was almost hard not to get emotional listening to the things that he was saying and uh then of course the visuals and the music that were provided yeah i mean that's one thing you have to say about the guy is he was a hell of a speaker i really think he was a better speaker than jfk his speeches are just like so good at least to me i don't know yeah i'd I'd say probably i mean when you look at the the JFK and JFK's presidency, a lot of the things that he gets credit, a lot of things, I don't want to be too controversial, but particularly the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. that was like, oh, Kennedy has faced up, JFK has, has faced up to the, the, you know, the Soviets and whatnot with putting missiles on Cuba. And really it was, it was Bobby Kennedy behind the scenes. He, 
he was talking to, I can't remember the gentleman, he was talking to somebody really high up in, in the yeah, Russian Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically had this, this backdoor channel, which then becomes this red phone as it's kind of colloquially known later uh, yeah. between mm-hmm. the two countries. And, and he, he does some genius, like some genius things. I mean, and especially then when you look at what he does as attorney general, he, he's not, this isn't, I don't get into politics, but he's not, he, he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk as well. Like he's like a dog with a bone RFK. Like if he wants to sort something out, he'll sort something out. Um, yeah. I mean, go watch the documentary on Netflix. Uh, Cause that's, that's a good place to start. If, if anybody wants to go and find out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, as you said, um, the assassination uh, assassination scene is uh, is awful, and then the fact they use real audio over the top of it. I think it was he a CBS reporter. Yeah. I've just been reading about it, and he when he's and you're hearing his voice, and he's like, "Get the gun, get the gun, break his fingers if you have to." Like it, yeah, it's yeah, hard. To, I've no doubt an actor could have done a good job of that, but then when they put the real audio over the top of it, it's like, "Well, yeah, that's pretty." that's pretty chilling it's like that desperation of you can hear like the life or death in his voice so it's yeah pretty rough and it's crazy how long it took for them to disarm him i believe he was able to get all the shots out they took the gun away somehow got it back just wild all those people were not able to take him out and I, i also something else i thought the film did well is just reminding us of how young sirhan sirhan was when he did that he was 24 years old the actor that they played i gotta say looked definitely looked like a young 24 but it really did hammer home that this this was a young guy who did this and yeah it was uh yeah and it doesn't i I like the fact that it the way that it does you know it doesn't show robert kennedy apart from in archive footage and then when they do show it him going past characters it it, whoever the guy got he looked very similar because you never quite see a proper shot of him it's all from behind and but as you were saying about the fact he manages to get his gun back and i think the fact was there like 81 people in the kitchen or something um he wasn't yeah. supposed to go that way he yes. was meant to you know and it oh, there's a shortcut we'll go through here to get to the this press conference where in the in the film the czech uh lady is going to get her five minutes you got your five minutes um amongst all the others and then he you know he, he steps down and shoots him now there's only one bit. Now, I don't know if you guys know. I, I hope you do. I, I tried to have a look quickly. I don't, in no, in no documentary or anything I've read so far, and I haven't done a lot of it, but I've done, a, you know, a fair bit. I've never heard of him actually saying anything to Kennedy. So the fact when he steps out and says, Kennedy, you son of a whatever, I was like, oh, d- did he say that? I don't know whether he did or whether they just put it in to be, I mean, I don't know why it'd need to be more dramatic, but. I don't know. Do you guys know? I'm, I don't know myself. Um, I actually don't know if he said anything. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I've never myself heard anything either. either. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, I guess my assumption was that that was added, but I, because I haven't, I also haven't heard anything about him actually saying something. I know he had a whole like journal dedicated to just like these insane ramblings about how much he hated RFK and like how much he wanted to kill RFK. Um, so he's like, he was a pretty insane, deranged guy, but yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about what he said. Yeah, no, I, I just, I just wondered, but yeah, I think I saw that in document like RFK must die repeated over yeah. and over again in, in this book. But yeah, it was, 
um, the speech that you hear um, over that sequence, well, a little bit later on, um, is a speech that RFK gave himself upon the death of Martin Luther King when he heard about that. And that, that was not a scripted speech. He, I think you can see the footage of it and he, he, he just did it. And you think, and when you listen to it, you think, how have, how have you just come up with that? Like if a, if a politician today came out with a speech like that, well, you wouldn't believe it for a start, but you'd be like, where's that come from? <laughs> and the, the fact that, <laughs> yeah. No, but it truly is mystifying that he did come up with that off the cuff, especially because news didn't travel as quickly as it does now. So he broke the story to those people in Indiana. So you can, what we, what we also found fascinating about that footage is not just a speech, but you getting an unfiltered reaction to these people who just learned that their civil rights champion was murdered. Yeah, though, well, I was just thinking of that. Like you hear the gasp, you hear and yeah. the, the screams, and the, and that was something they used in this film. Like when it goes back to the ballroom, they use real footage, interspersed, mm-hmm. and you can see like people just stood around thinking, "I I don't know what to do." I don't. They just yeah. literally just stood there frozen. You know, it's like if somebody collapses in the street, or, you know, uh, I've seen it happen when I've done like lifeguarding jobs where people have passed out or people start to drown. People don't do anything. They don't know what to do. Very few people go and obviously, unless you're a lifeguard, but very few people, like everyone's like, oh, I don't, uh, what, what? it's that like, help, I know that's a bit of a strange analogy, but it's that helplessness of like that, that your brain just kind of got, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, yeah, I'm there's, frozen. And there's so much more for them to process too, because of all the hopes that were hanging on this, this Senator. They yeah. To process that additionally. And then of course we have the, the gentleman, the, the owner of the hotel who uh, might have might, might be losing his wife. And then they like, we start to get a sense that they're reconciling. So we, all the individual problems too, um, that they were going through throughout their day, in addition to um, Bobby Kennedy's assassination. I mean, poor uh, Harold and Kumar are, are bleeding out on the kitchen floor. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. yeah. That was just pretty rough. And of course you have, um, there's that many people in this. You've got Elijah Wood um, and Lindsay Lohan in a. I oh, mean, it's Elijah Wood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, because that was the <laughs> that was the one that messed me up the most because he just got brained after uh, after trying to, you know, like peacefully and legally withdraw himself from having to go over and die in Vietnam. And death still finds him anyway. That that, that one was rough to look at, and well, of course, because you have Frodo lying on the ground with blood coming out of his. I mean, that's also hard yeah. to stomach. And the ring well, he, makes it harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, that again, he, all the people who were shot in that were were based on real people who were shot. So the gentleman who was shot in the head and survived, uh, he, I think he was part of the campaign. He was in that I documentary he, I watched. I believe he was, yeah. Yeah. So he is still alive, but they, I mean, I know the tell you at the end, but he looks pretty dead. Like they could have shown him breathing or something. Like, she, but I, I suppose you know, because in the film it just looked like he's dead. But that oh, was yeah. also a really nice storyline to show that because I don't think it withdraws him from going to Vietnam. I think what it does is, if he's a married man, it gave him more of a chance. Like the army would maybe send you to a base in Germany. Oh, instead, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. so they'd post you on, right. like, well, I know Britain had bases there. I think we still have one, um, and you'd go get based there instead of being sent 
to Vietnam. I mean, mind you, who knows if that would have saved him. I mean, it, it, does it does it continue to ramp up? Mm, I'm not sure. But I know by this point in the war, 30,000 Americans had already been killed. And then you add on top of that how many, you know, uh, Vietnamese soldiers have been killed and civilians, and it, it rolls on and on. Um, so it, it's quite a crucial point in the fact that you have, like, people who are draft dodging. He's not draft dodging. He's, he's boxing clever, and he's he's trying to be smart about it. Um, but then you even get – it's a good film, this, more you think about it. Uh, you have that, like, heart, like, kind of heartbreaking scene and a strange choice of one where the two, like, stoners are in the diner and they're a little, still a little bit high coming down from the LSD. And they're having mm-hmm. that chat, like, well, he needs to win because I don't want to go to war. I'm like, I'm 19. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to die. I don't want to go over there. So, I mean, and even at this point, the Vietnam war is, is, is getting pretty ugly. I don't think it's until another year until, you know, the stories of massacres and things start to start to be uncovered, but it is very, very ugly at this point. And it's just exacerbating everything that's happening back home. But there's some films, other films that have kind of explored that a little bit. Some strange choices here, but bear with me. So you got like Forrest Gump that that does a little bit about about Vietnam and kind of uh, no, sorry, no, not Forrest Gump. What am I talking about? It does have Vietnam, but uh, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a look where they come home after the battle and people like either spit at them or cross the street or move away from them. Um, and also, what's the other film? Well, it's a strange one, but I think it's. Is it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake? Because one of them's a, a drafty dodger. A little bit of a strange choice. I'm sure there's more out there. Yeah, it's got oh. Arlie Emery as the sheriff. It's good. It's That 2003 it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm, I wasn't a big fan. I thought it was a bit... Oh. But you're saying I know. It's, it's very lo-fi, but yeah. Because I, I got it. really into that whole, like all those characters and stuff like that. So you're saying the sheriff was a draft dodger? That character? Oh, no, sorry. Not in this film. Another film. Um, uh... In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's saying. Yeah, no, I'm, oh, I'm talking about, about I'm talking about Texas. Oh Chainsaw no, sorry, yeah, no, no, yeah, uh, no, no. He, he, uh, one of like the kid, well, the kids, one of the like young adults in it, is like trying to get a Mexico to to flee. Um, to, like, uh, oh, flee the yeah, draft. oh yeah, okay, yep, yep, yeah, because yep, he finds his like draft that, yeah. thing that he's half burned, and he's like, "What's this?" And then, yeah. to be fair, for anybody else, if you want to go and look at that, one of the most famous people who drafted the uh, dodged the draft. Um, the because of religion and other reasons, um, and got a lot of boxing cha- uh, the world boxing championship stripped off him from a right. It was yeah. Muhammad Ali. So that's if you want to go read about that, uh, he's one of like my dad's heroes. So and you know it's it's bled in. Um, so yeah, sorry guys. Uh, so yeah, um, any other characters? I'm sure. Oh well, yeah, you get his wife, the hairdresser. You get oh the beauty stylist, and then you get um Heather Graham's character. And the other lady whose name I, I I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Um, who plays you know the the lady who who ends up with the campaign manager she she the black lady who she does yeah. the uh, what do they call the it operator. the switchboard yeah. the operator yeah as well because I thought her story was was like trying to warn her friend like look like no good's gonna come out of like screwing the boss. Um, and then yeah. you see her kind of comfort him hit him at the end as well when he he finds out. Like your like your hopes and because you see like the campaign manager, you know the one who goes on stage. That that happened. That's real as well. Where he goes on yeah. stage and he's like, "We need a doctor. We we please. We need a doctor. Like 
come to the podium like we um that character and, and a couple of the others that you kind of see in the background they're kind of walking out when bobby kennedy goes on the ambulance and his wife goes you see them just walking around like almost as if they've lost their their purpose in life like because i don't really understand but you know from watching and reading about it like a campaign to be president or even to get to be a nominee is like insane like the amount of money time effort all these volunteers ringing and you know especially back then where it wasn't as connected as today you couldn't just bang a post on social media could you yeah and a, and a kennedy campaign too is pumping money in like nothing like nobody's yeah. business too so yeah um if we're talking characters can we touch on Lindsay lohan's character yeah because sorry yeah, yeah i i um i had a thought about that that i'd, I'd be interested to see what you thought i what, the first time around watching it i liked that she her form of activism and, and helping all these guys out uh, to not get killed in Vietnam was to just marry um, guys and then annul the marriages down the road, I believe was her. Um, I don't want to call it a shtick because I, I think it was kind of heroic. But Scheme? Plan? Then, yeah, I guess we could call it that. And then she falls in love with Elijah Wood. So like this this time around, it it is that wedding that she in a way dreamed of. I almost thought that that took away in a sense from her arc as this anti-war activist who was willing to go to these lengths, even sacrificing her dream wedding to help guys out from not like dying. I, I almost would have liked it better if they didn't wind up falling in love. And this was just purely transactional. And then he winds up getting killed. I, I thought that would have lent more power to what she was doing. Yeah, it's kind of more of a sacrifice if she's not actually in love with him. Yeah, but this is where it comes in into what you were saying at the beginning about how it didn't quite hit for you like it did your brother, like the film overall. Like I know I've read a few reviews where people have said it's like a bit schmaltzy, a bit too much. Like maybe that's a choice they made, like a filmmaker's choice instead of like, well, actually, look, you know what? It, this wouldn't make a lot of sense. Like, wouldn't it be better if she's she, there's no like romantic interest in, in it at all for her, and she's just you know somebody from a graduation class or something like that has already been killed. Mm. And she's like, look, at, I think she says, doesn't she? Like, if I could marry all, th- however many. Yeah. All if of I could marry every guy in my graduating class who gets shipped yeah. out to Vietnam, I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's a good argument. I got, I hadn't thought about it as, as such. I thought it was a little bit quick that all of a sudden she's like, oh, actually, I'm quite into you. Because before that, it's very kind of yeah transactional. Is the way, Like you said, it's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's very much like, yeah, we'll we'll get it done, and then we'll get an old because he's like, because he has that kind of, you know, that crisis of conscience, doesn't he? Where he's saying, "Oh, I'm not quite sure if like we're doing the right thing. I don't want to steal like your big day away from you." Right, and he's like, "I'm actually damaging your life, your relationship with your father," and then and then of course she's like, "Well, he hates you, not me," and then he's like, "Oh, well, all right, <laughs> I guess we're all good then." Yeah, um, absolutely, and and it's. Yeah, I, there was. I think it does a good job. I think it, I think it could have been a lot worse in terms of all these different characters. Like something, you know, it could have very easily fallen apart if it had followed too many. Do I think they could have cut? They could have cut a few. Oh, absolutely. Um, but but there are still like moments in there. I think my overall verdict. Not not that I'm trying to wrap up. I'm just at the end of my notes. Um, 
not that that stops me. Um, but the my verdict was like a film which may prove divisive, and the brothers have proved it for me, so thanks for that. Um, some will enjoy it and the way everything unfolds, but I reckon others will find it long with a few pointless parts, possibly a little bit boring, um, and little emphasis on Bobby himself. Like if someone has gone, oh, I want to watch this too, like see what Bobby Kennedy was like, it's not that film. It's not that film at all. Really. I mean, it kind of is, but he's not like front and center at all. He's very much. Yeah. I feel like you get a sense of the, like, like I kind of said at the beginning, you get a sense of the energy of the campaign a little bit, but you don't really like learn a ton about Bobby Kennedy as a person or as a candidate or like what he stood for. And I guess in a sense, that wasn't what the, it almost in a way wasn't what the film was trying to do. I I think it was looking to find a nice anchor point through which to tell all of these stories around. So they were able to pick the ambassador hotel campaign of 1968, Bobby Kennedy as what everything was orbiting around and then the crisis. So they could have easily have picked something else historically. I mean, America, I'm sure in the UK, we've had our share of, I mean, they, I mean, there probably exists out there a movie about nine 11 that might do something similar. And it's, it's, it's not a bad idea, but I would agree. I mean, especially since, I mean, we've covered Bobby Kennedy from birth to death um, in our, in our series. Um, It does only show that, like you were saying earlier, mythologized version of Bobby Kennedy. That isn't the full picture, not even close. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we, we've had the only prime minister who was assassinated um, was like in 1812 uh, Spencer Percival. I've always thought there's a story in that. Why no one's ever done it. Well, maybe because it's probably quite a contentious time with the abolition of slavery, and I think maybe that's why I don't know. Yeah. But that less was video also. Sorry, say that again. Like less video, also, you know, JFK. The whole thing's on film, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just have a count. There's no photos or anything, so yeah. possibly, possibly, you'd probably have to make an awful lot of it up. But it's funny you mentioned about how it, the film itself, and how it's made up. Like it took him like seven years to make it, something like that, a long time. Oh, wow. And apparently he was he reached a point where he like like he had writer's block and was like I don't know what to do I'm got a clue what to do I can't quite crack like the spine of it I don't know who to like hang the story around and then he spoke he he was I can't remember where he was but he was like a waitress was saying oh what do you do I'm I'm doing a script or what about and oh Robert Kennedy's assassination and she started like crying or tearing up and said oh I was there I was a volunteer for his like campaign and then that's where it, he he then interviewed her and then he he basically said that gave him like the this emotional like through line for the film so stranger things work out sometimes yeah that's interesting something we were curious about too about how it would have had an impact on the film perhaps made it different was the fact that we really aside from what is it a christian slater aside from his character who we thought might have turned out for Nixon or somebody like that. It did seem like everybody was fully on board, not only the characters, uh, but the actors who played them with this whole RFK dream liberal narrative. I, I would have been curious to see what the film would have been like if there were a vignette or two replacing some of them that had characters that weren't quite on that same end of the political spectrum. And we, understanding that, of course, people were amassing around the 
uh, hotel because they're celebrating the primary and all that stuff. So of course you were going to have more people in support of Bobby Kennedy, but the ambassador hotel was also a place where you could just check in and get a room. So I, I, I would have been interested to see if that, like, I don't know if it would have been a little curmudgeonly arc of just somebody grumbling about the riots and, and RFK and all that stuff. But I, I would have been curious to see how that would have made the film different. Do you know, sorry, I'm just thinking that the reason I think why he's such a good figure to to put this around is because he, although people who probably know more about Bobby Kennedy, I'm sure he made some controversial decisions in when he was Attorney General or supporting his brother, etc. But oh, yeah, for, you are MLK. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that. exactly. Nicely done. Um, I knew I got you guys on for a reason. Back me up. Um, <laughs> But I think it's also because as a politician or, or as a president, he never had the chance to let you down as president, if that makes sense. So it's like, well, we never got, it never got to that point where it was like, oh, you, you let us down. Because would he have been, you, you know, the, this ultimate dream and would he have turned the country around? Who knows? Possibly, possibly not. But the yeah. fact that, there was hope, that, yeah. There was hope there, and there's that like run to the whole film. It's a hope that, and he says it in his speeches, it's a hope that, you know, we've lost our way, but we can turn this around. We're compassionate with, which which is is the, the hope of every country. Like for anybody who wants to thinking about watching this, who's not from America, although it probably speaks more to the Americans, because it just it will, particularly now with the politics and everything. Um, it still speaks to you as, as somebody who's not from America because it, it's that hope. Like we all hope for politicians, our leaders that are for everyone, whether, you know, they're from whatever background or whatever country or, or the rich or the poor or whatever. Like you, you want that. This is why I don't do politics. You want that leader to like be there and do the best for everyone. Not just the rich, not just, you know, the companies that, that, that fund them or whatever. So it's that, I don't know. It's it's what ifs are the greatest with history because it's like oh what would have happened? Well, what would have happened if his brother hadn't been shot and killed? Would they have? Would they have? You know? Would they have come out of Vietnam? Don't, They're driving don't crazy though, huh? They can keep oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh time. yeah. Well, there's a whole that you know the alternate alternate uh, right. Alternate like what if he's never crossed the Rubicon? Oh oh yeah. You could you go back and back and back. It's Great. yeah. Especially like, especially like World War II alternate endings, if the Axis powers had won. I mean, they have the, was it the Man in the High Castle and a whole bunch of other well, things like that. That's a whole or, genre in of itself. Yeah. Or if Bobby Kennedy and uh, Jack Kennedy's father had, uh, if more people had listened to him and not come to support the rest of the world, because he, he didn't, he, yeah, he didn't right. want to come into it. He didn't want, and most of most Americans didn't want to come into the Second World War. And you can't blame them for not wanting to go into a war because although they turn yeah. up towards the end of the first world war, they suffer horrendously because they send that many men over. They do lose a, a lot in comparison to how many they, and how long they were there. So there's still that. Um, yeah, it's definitely easy with historical hindsight to think, okay, going into the war was the right choice, but it, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Although I will add that Dr. Seuss always had your back and you're welcome. <laughs> we don't see Dr. Seuss doesn't really, it's not something like I've never read them. It's not something that ah, like permeates over here. I don't, I don't, yeah, or not for me at least. Like the most Doctor Zeus I know is like the Grinch, and what's that one about green eggs and ham? Bad. That's about oh, all I know. Oh, don't talk to me. 
don't talk to me about the cat in the hat. That just reminds me of that horrendous film with Mike <laughs> Myers just uh, chewing up the scenery. Um, I mean, I think Egg Ham might have had a good place in The Wolf of Wall Street because Sam I Am is probably one of the most aggressive salesmen that I've ever read in literature. I mean, he's peddling, he's peddling green eggs and ham. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, true. The fact that <laughs> and, he pulled it off. And pretty... he's relentless. <laughs> Not to take things too off the rails, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so Ryan's taking fine. it back to what you were saying, I think it's true. There's something, and I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but there's something about Americans where they get very invested in the people they support for particularly the presidency, but in, in other races too. But you talk about you talk about like Bill Clinton, George Bush, and definitely like Barack Obama. Americans really do become, at least for a time, once they become president, they flip completely. But at least while they're actually supporting the campaign, they become very much true believers in you know whoever they're supporting. And Bobby Kennedy was a huge version of that, where people were really, really deeply invested in the campaign and really thought that it was going to be this huge important thing, and it did get snuffed out. And yeah, of course. We don't know what would have actually happened. All of the presidents that I just listed, many people from all sides of the political spectrum feel like they were massive letdowns. And, you know, probably we would feel the same way about Bobby Kennedy if he actually had to, like, put policies into place and yeah. put his money where his mouth was. But And not to get negative, but how far can he even play out the hypothetical? Would he even have emerged as the Democratic flag bearer? Could sure. he even have beat Nixon? Could, would, he, would he even be in a position sure. to be president? There's so many things to to think about we're talking about hypotheticals and what ifs in history well especially with, before we even get them into the, the whole office yeah yeah and then even when you get into the office um, right you need to have the cards need you know the, the the stack needs to be in your favor you know so if you get in as a president but you don't have oh god I'll, I, I don't want to embarrass myself but if you don't have the senate then you can't get things passed so like oh senate like and and House of Representatives. And the House. Yeah, and yeah. I always get. Um, so like it's like Obama. He, he didn't he, he struggled to get things through, at least in, in what he intended, like as far yeah. as I understand. Yeah. Trying to I'm I'm we're we're flirting with politics, we're winking it over the bar at it, but we're not like digging into it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was gonna say I don't know how we're gonna hold to that rule of yours about no politics uh, well, in this episode, just because you know as long as we don't as long as neither of well, I mean you guys can, but as long as I don't place myself on one side or the other as long yeah. as i remain quite generic because you can't you can't discuss like i did a a review of a film uh called how to behave in britain which was for american gis who came over here but then there's it like it's really nostalgic you know this is a pint this is a pint of bitter this is what the english drink and then all of a sudden it becomes about race relations and it becomes really like dark like really like oh like from modern perspective and there's no way you can discuss that without just being like, look, we have to just discuss this. Um, I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, you're never going to please everyone in politics, so why bother? But it's funny you mentioned because I, I, I watched another. And who can be bothered? Like, I want a few more views, but not for not for like some kind of controversy. Um, not I'm not that desperate yet. <laughs> but uh, I I watched um, a Bill Clinton, a, a president that really doesn't get. There's no films about him. But there's a film that I watched recently. It came out in 2010. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Michael Sheen is. Um, he he is in Good Omens, opposite David Tennant. He, I, I don't know if he's done many things. Oh, he was in, he's been in a few things. You probably know his face. And he's famous, like, he's done three films where he played Tony Blair. One was The Queen. 
one was called the deal and the other one was called the special relationship now that showed it what the relationship between tony blair and i've just said his name was that uh, bill clinton uh, bill clinton yeah and it's all about it's over the monica Lewinsky. that's a hell of a film i watched that the other day mm. So that that's yeah, worth a watch. You sent that post over Twitter, yeah. I remember seeing that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the film I watched yeah. out. So that was pretty. That's pretty. And cool. another one that's good if you haven't seen it is HBO has a series. I think it's HBO has a series like a documentary. Well, no, it's not documentary. It's like bio biopic, I guess. Oh yeah. About that whole uh, Clinton impeachment scandal and Monica Lewinsky and all that stuff. It's really cool. really good. That sounds pretty good. But uh, yeah, I mean that was the end of my notes. Um, but uh, yeah, overall what well worth a watch is there any anything because I'm, I'm not like i'm not trying to rush you off is there any any more points that you guys had because i know i talk a lot so if you've got anything yeah, one, else you one to... thing one thing i kind of wanted to say just because i was kind of negative on on the film i do think it was a really cool and ambitious project and i do think that it did a lot of things well and i think particularly the last sequence where he actually dies and you see all the characters reactions to it i thought that was very powerful and I think it kind of makes the whole rest of the film worth it. I had some, yeah, I obviously had some complaints, but I, I do think it's worth the watch. I would agree. Yeah. What and about look, you, right? I mean, I I think like all of us, I'm, I'm a sucker for Bobby Kennedy's speeches and things like that. So the fact that they were wrapping in primary sources with the new story that they were trying to tell or stories, um, I... I mean, I, I enjoyed it and I appreciate you reaching out to us because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. I hadn't heard of it. And I, I think that's so interesting what you were saying that there's not a lot of reviews out there of this movie and that neither of us, uh, Kevin or I, had heard of it with just the staff or not the staff, uh, the, the star power in it. But um, I mean, I guess just to round out, um, I guess we'll be back on the podcast when they make the uh, the spinoff with the two stoners. <laughs> I love that. Well, I've got plenty of films for you. I mean, the, the the other one to do is like a companion piece to this is a Parkland. Did you ever see that film? No. Is that about the Parkland hospital? Yeah. It's so it's very similar to this in that it follows. Now stick with me when I say Zac Efron, but he is unbelievable in it. Like he plays the junior doctor who ended up. Look, treating... Zac Efron changed my mind in the, in the Bundy movie. I got to oh, be honest. Yeah. I thought that was the perfect casting. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's I'm, not gonna, like, I'm not going to throw my hands up and say, Oh, Zac Efron. He's even better in Parkland. He's like he's okay. unbelievable. So it's basically set. It follows Zapruder a little bit, and it follows like a couple of the uh, a couple of the Secret Service guys. But it's very much like this film. Mm. It, it goes from different perspectives, and then you kind of you don't see the assassination, and then until they rush him into the hospital, and then it looks at because of a lot of things that went on, mainly because of emotions like the Secret Service saying no, we're taking his body back, even though. You know, Texas, Dallas was like, no, it's a like a crime that's happened in our state. Blah 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 blah. He has to stay yeah. here. So a lot, and you see where a lot of kind of the conspiracy stuff comes from. But it's not a conspiracy film. Uh, you've got the brilliant, ever underrated Paul Giamatti plays Zapruder, um, oh, who took wow. the famous footage. You've got yeah. him in it. You've got, oh, I can never remember his name. He played the oldest brother. I know this is really weird, but it's where I know him from in my head. He plays the oldest brother in the Cheaper by the Dozen film with, uh, yeah, he's in that, the 2003 Steve one. Martin. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I can't remember. You'll know his face and you'll be like, really? That's where you know him from? Um, 
was he in was he in supernatural no i always get him anyway um but that so and it all culminates like at the end and it's very much like this film so parkland if you haven't seen that i'll just continue to give you like anything to do with presidents i'll add this, to the list this. i mean you you had me apology Giamatti. i mean you didn't really need to say anything else but uh the rest of it i mean <laughs> hell yeah i mean that sounds good yeah it's <laughs> it's very good it's very like this it's it's uh I remember it being like a lot better than this. Like, not saying this is bad, but that when I rewatched this, I was a bit like, "Oh, that was a little bit." It was a little disappointing on the second watch because I hadn't seen it for a long time. Um, but I did, I did enjoy it. I don't think it's a perfect film by any by any means. And if it was about somebody fictional, would it have the same impact? Probably not. But okay. yeah, I thought that I I even thought, and I think I don't know if you said it, but I thought the speeches and the interactions that they actually had like live footage of and showed were some of the best scenes which yeah. is yeah saying something i thought those were really good yeah it was yeah, very probably... not gone so yeah, sorry, i was just saying like that part where um rfk dissects the anatomy of how people are taught to hate each other and and how terrible that is it, it, it didn't even sound preachy in any way um that was really good um it's just it's it's interesting and i it's it's awesome to talk to somebody who comes from the UK because the Kennedys are pretty much our royal family when you when you think about it and, and I know that we were talking about a film about RFK's assassination and you were just talking about a film about JFK's assassination but there's just a whole slew of books and movies and comparisons to Camelot and King Arthur's Court we even saw that in Bobby the the film we're talking about so it's 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 always interesting when Americans kind of poke fun at the Brits for the Royal, the Royal family, but then turn around and we have, we have the Kennedys and what, 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 what else are they, but yeah. Royal family without the royalty, because after uh, the American revolution, you know, that's kind of a word that we don't like to use when it comes to leaders. It's funny. You talk about the perspective of the Kennedys because they are seen as probably not as fable as over there. Like, I don't know. Is it cause we're a bit more pessimistic? I don't know, but it's more, about you know with JFK, about possibly if he'd have survived, would he have been impeached for the affairs he had? That I mean, I mm-hmm. saw the Red Dwarf episode where that happens, but kind of thing. But it's it's there's interesting kind of ways you could look at it. But you do wonder, like we were saying about Bobby Kennedy, you do wonder because they were kind of cut down before their time. Does that kind of not absolve them from criticism? Because how often when you're having a conversation about JFK, does anybody mention the disaster of the Bear Pigs or that whole debacle? Like nobody ever nobody ever goes, oh, well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't perfect. So, yeah, but it, no, I mean, it's that's part of the reason I, lo- I love doing this because I think I get to talk to people who might have like a totally different perspective, whether they're American or Canadian or German, as I'm talking to you tomorrow. So that should be cool. Um, you talk to people from all over the Australia is a bit of a nightmare with the time difference. America you can get away with, but but uh, Australia is is like you got to get up early for that one. But no, it's um, yeah. I keep going to say something, and it keeps going out my head, but it doesn't matter. I'll I'll probably remember it later and be like, Ugh. but <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Is there anything else you guys had like, any notes or anything? No, I don't think so. You got any more notes there? No, that's everything I I got. That was probably the most star-studded cast I have ever seen in a movie. And I guess it only made sense that it was a movie about our American royalty. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it though, overall. So thank thanks for sending that film our way. 
No, it's it's fine. Yeah, it was uh, no, not at all. It's uh, is this your your first podcast? Have you done one before? Nope, this is our first one. Yeah, uh, well, your you first can... guest spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I mean like your your podcast is it the first one you've ever done, or have you done one before? Yes. Oh, yes, this is the first time I've ever done. Yeah. Surprises yeah. me. I thought you you sound like you've done one before. Not that, I mean, I've only been going like Thanks. since Much I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. No, I do, it it because I was because I was gonna start off and kind of in my introduction and be like, oh, the, there are only ten episodes in, like published. Um, but I I wasn't like I was surprised when I went back through. I was like, where's the rest of it? Because yeah, <laughs> especially my first ten write-offs, um, <laughs> absolute write-offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah didn't didn't guess spot didn't have anybody on didn't never plan to have anybody on just planned to have it me be talking about whatever but uh yeah would you guys yeah, like um, sorry oh sorry yeah no i was just gonna say like uh, i mean first of all thank you i mean we uh we appreciate any compliments and um because we're definitely very self-critical of how we sound in those early episodes but we made sure that we had the full first season done so we've been done talking about Bobby Kennedy since April of last year. Jesus. Um, as far as recording it, because we wanted to have a nice cushion because it really does take time to do the reading, to do the research, to do the writing, then the recording, then the producing, then the editing. I mean, I'm sure you know. So, yeah, we definitely wanted to give ourselves a head start with that. But it also yeah. gave us some leeway to kind of play around with the episodes to make sure that they sounded as, as good as possible for our low budget operation. If yeah, try no budget with me. Would you uh, would you guys like to like tell the audience who who you are, what episode you've got, and what you've got coming up? Because yeah, the shameless plug part of the episode, I call it. Yeah, sure. So we are the Almost Presidents podcast. Um, if you want to send us a message on Gmail, our Gmail is the Almost Presidents podcast at gmail dot com. You can follow our Instagram at Potus Pod, and then. Or uh, Twitter, um, and then Instagram, the Almost Presidents podcast, and pretty much what we do is we take a look at history through the lens of the loser. It's kind of our catchphrase. So we look at the men and women who ran for the presidency of the United States and almost won, but still created a lasting impact on society. And we have a lot of fun while we're doing it. So we are almost done, actually, with our Bobby Kennedy series. Uh, we're going to be coming out with our two-part finale in March, and then we're going to be moving on. Uh, to our second season, so we're really excited about that. We already got a couple of those episodes recorded. Um, did you have anything to uh, out of what we do? No, I um, mean that that basically sums it up. Our most recent episodes, we uh, did a just sort of deep dive into Vietnam as it pertains to Bobby Kennedy's campaign, because obviously that's a major campaign issue. You can even tell that from the film if you watched it. Um, and then we also, on occasion, do uh, just sort of more i guess laid back fun episodes we just did a holiday episode where we just kind of like shot the shit i think we uh we staffed a santa claus presidential administration which was fun so yeah we do we do kind of more laid back fun stuff like that we bickered so much for that (laughs) (laughs) just literally about christmas characters being in a yeah don't presidential administration so we do fun we do sort of fun stuff too um so yeah, I just, and and then we we kept up with the midterms and just keep an eye on us for 2024 as well. We'll be electing a new president and uh, we'll be yeah. taking a look at some of those candidates too because we'll have a whole field of modern almost presidents to play with. So that's that's pretty much what we do. Yeah, and I've got to say, if I listened to most because I didn't have enough time because I'd finished the film, I listened to most of your uh, most recent episode, and I will say this. And this, I I don't say things to be nice. I'm being honest. Um, 
<laughs> that sounded like I was going to be really negative, didn't it? No, all I meant by that was I listened to it and even, like, I know a little bit, but I don't know that much. It's particularly, I know about Vietnam, but not particularly about Robert Kennedy. So the podcast does a really good job, or the guys do a really good job of, like, talking you through it. Like, they're not insulting you, but they make it quite accessible is probably the right word. So go give that a listen. Or go right back to the start. I can't wait for them to tackle Al Gore, but that might be a few years on. Might take a couple of years to get to that. Bet that one's oh, going to be yeah, great. It's it's uh, yeah, or oh, that one. God, you'll be there for 800 parts of that one. Yeah, yeah. it'll be an inconvenient <laughs> season. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, the last episode, the Supreme Court judgment. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah that, that should be pretty good. I, I've got one question for you that I would want to know as someone who, who listens to your podcast or would going forward. What's your like uh, release is it like every month or like is it is it a particular day or so is it like i don't know the second monday of every month or because i did wonder because you you started a while ago for the amount of episodes that you've got if that makes sense which i can understand because you script them but what's like your schedule that's all i meant by that so we we release monthly and i think we do the first monday of every month that's yeah first weekday of every month is when we put out a new episode we started out with a three episode burst just to give people a a sense of what we do we're working to get to a two times a month release schedule um hopefully that's coming down the pike when we get to our second season but yeah currently it's once a month um with you know relevant bonus episodes if there's things going on in politics like we talked about brazil we should probably talk about brazil again (laughs) oh yeah yeah podcast yeah um you know, we'll put out bonus episodes about relevant political uh, occurrences, but our flagship program about an almost president, as of now, yes, once a month. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's difficult to find a unique idea in podcast land because they all seem to have been taken a few times. I've gone, oh, I'll try that, and then it's like, oh no, someone's done it. Nope, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> nope not that one, not that one. So you kind of just got to find your own niche, but it's a good niche to have, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it'll be great to listen to, but. Uh, no, thanks you. Thanks to you guys for coming on. Um, I've I've enjoyed the chat. Um, I'd yeah, like to look. Yeah, we had a good too. time. We had a great time. Once I'm on history, you, you can't show me up. But uh, no, <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks to anyone for listening. Um, I appreciate it, and thank you to the guys for coming on. They will no doubt return, if not for Parkland, for something else. I'll no doubt have an idea, or they'll have an idea. Um, but yeah, that that's it. So cheers, guys. Yeah. See ya. Right. Take care, Sean. See you later.